comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. everyone that this podcast as well as all other IB Sports podcasts are available on the IB Sports podcast feed. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to be subscribed to be notified of all future podcasts from the IB Network. We would also greatly appreciate if you would rate and review. Finally, you can follow IB Sports on Twitter, Instagram, as well as Facebook. We do have a premium membership that allows you to post without it being approved by an admin, levy fines on others in the group. You can be commissioner for a day, receive free gambling picks from my gambling genius co-host, Alan, AKB Yeezus, and much, much more. And with that, we are back with another edition of the Backdoor Cover. I'm your host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, is the gambling guru, Alan, a.k.a. Ivy Yeezus. We have not had a good stretch the last two weeks in golf after coming off an incredible stretch for the last two months. But luckily, you're a genius. So you are killing <laughs> right now, as I'm saying. Yeah, um... If it ain't one thing, it's it's another, um, and and that's the the beauty. Oops, sorry, um, that's the beauty of you know covering multiple sports. Um, I actually was talking to uh, Rehan. He's my only client right now, but he was noting that we had um, we were in a negative in golf, which honestly isn't a big deal to me because if you win one golf tournament, you literally are in the positive where you have to lose so many, which unfortunately I have lost so many over the last like couple months that uh, we, we finally hit the negative. But he's he's pretty much he says he like based off what he bets like for a unit, he's made he's made four times the amount of what he bets in the unit. And it's only been what, like six games. Correct. So, so yeah, so we're. I mean, we're we're rolling, man. We're rolling in, in baseball. And then, of course, WNBA started up. Uh, it's been somewhat shaky, but I'm hitting 50% right now in WNBA, which is okay because it just started. Um, and they've had a lot of people um, opt not to play. Uh, so that's been kind of uh, a learning experience as well. But I really like what I see uh, from the wobble. Um, it makes me optimistic about <laughs> what we'll do um, or what we'll see. Yeah. No, that's what they call it. That's what they call it, the wobble. They're really calling it that. Yeah, they're really calling it the wobble. But um, I like what I see from the wobble because uh, it gives me hope that the bubble will be just fine. Well, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about basketball and golf today, but I want to start because you're having, you know, a lot of success in baseball. What is something you've noticed, or what has led to the success that you've had so far in the season? Uh, running with my gut, and and what I mean by that is, is I'm an avid baseball watcher, so I know a lot about people that uh, you don't necessarily find in um in like uh, I guess people's predictions. And so what I've I've done this season is I've taken out the the gambler's perspective per se, and I've focused on what I know as a fan, what I know about the game. And going with with my gut. So I haven't done a lot of second guessing on things. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, the first game of the Cubs and Cincinnati Reds uh, series, um, the Cubs have been rolling. The bats have been doing pretty good. And uh, I think Lester was up in the first game. And I, I like Lester. I think Lester's Lester's um, he usually starts pretty strong. I had a lot of confidence in him. But the the thing that was kind of making people nervous is that there was rain coming so um they had a storm and i checked the weather it was still upper 80s the humidity was still pretty high and i know great american park and the ball flies in great american park and and we're talking the winds blowing out to to left field which to me suits the the more power that the cubs have like Contreras is a uh, right-handed batter Baez is a right-handed batter chris bryan is a right-handed batter uh and i think they uh I think they got the young boy uh, Bodie Butte or however you say his name is. Uh, he he can hit uh, for power too. So the run line was at four and a half, and it wasn't a lot of juice. So I I hammered it. Um, and then there was the game. I'm a Braves fan. I know the Braves, and we were playing the Mets. 
And uh, we were up against, um, we just had DeGrom and Matt, and I forgot who they started the, the third game. But um, we were starting uh, Nukem. I love that kid. And, and I was like, he's, he's a good, solid lefty. He'll get them through at least five, and we should get enough run support that, w- that we'll be good to go. And I basically put my life on that game, and we won like 14-1 to 1 or something like that. So it's been some calculations. Suck on that, Corey Carlton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're only 3-3. Three and three, So, I mean, and I have systematically <laughs> bet uh, the Braves, and, and it's typically been just for the first five innings. Uh, because I don't want to mess with our unpredictable bullpen. But um, today I took the Rockies on the road in Oakland. Oakland's been struggling scoring with guys in running in, in scoring position against a, a underrated pitcher in Marquez, who a lot of people don't know about, but he's really, really solid outside of Coors Field. So his ERA will be like upper threes, maybe four. But if you look at the splits when he's away from Coors Field, he actually pitches like low two. So I took him, and I and they were like plus 135, and I took them first five uh, to win outright. I took them to win the game outright. I took them to um, to score over uh, four and a half, and I think they ended up with five runs. So, like, I mean, it just everything. They were the underdogs, so I took the spread twice, too, for the full game in the first five. So I literally won six bets on, on just the Rockies today, uh, which has come in quite handy um, because <laughs> – I didn't have that great of an afternoon or evening game, but it wasn't completely awful. So before we move on to golf and basketball, with what we talked about at length, I think it was last episode, about both of our concerns about the baseball season getting all the way through, and with the mess that is the Miami Marlins right now, do you feel more or less confident that this season is not going to make it? Now, I feel pretty confident the season's going to make it because if anybody else does it, they're going to essentially not get to play. I, I got that vibe. From so are they done then? They're not done. They're not done. But uh, Commissioner uh, Manfred had a um, had an interview with Reducci on uh, MLB Network, and he was asked, like, just flat out asked, you know, how are you going to make up the games? And – Manfred was like, well, there's 66 days to get in 60 games. There's not a lot of space to really make up a game. And so when he was asked blatantly, like, well, does that mean you're not going to make the games up? He kind of danced around it. And I really think teams are going to start considering that that is a that's a valid option for the uh, for the league. And and, um, they're well within their right to do that if teams are reckless. They Do you think game, that means that it would be a forfeit win for whoever was playing them in those games? I don't think it'll be a forfeit. I think it'll it'll they'll run off of people's like winning percentage and it'll throw okay. some people off. Um, I don't think you can really give a win to somebody, you know, for something like no, that. No, I agree. I just didn't know like what do you, you know like, what I'm saying like how do you handle that if you're not taking but it not, that way? They're not gonna double back. And make the Yankee or make the Marlins play the Orioles or make the Yankees play the Phillies, unless it's it's literally the game or the the season has to hang on the hinges of that game for them to probably uh, force a makeup of, of that caliber. But um, I mean, it, it, all the concerns that we had going into the season were were pretty valid. <laughs> yeah, and and, and um, the reports coming out of the Marlins um maybe partying or, or going Ooh, out. I didn't see that. I don't know if it was, I don't want to say partying. I might be misquoting, but they, they went out. Being uh, reckless. The public. Yeah. in in Atlanta during their, uh, during their exhibition. So I don't know if you've been following a lot of my, my posts in the group. Cause I was, I was pretty like raging about it because this is really careless. So MLB essentially left it up to the teams to kind of control their players in regards to the rules that they want to do with social distancing. I think they mandated masks and things like that. But as far as like people going out, curfews and and uh, self-isolating when you're not playing, they didn't really set anything. So there's nothing standard across the board. So, yeah. So it's, uh, it's basically up to the team. The Miami Marlins went out in Atlanta. Now, you could say. They, they could have got it from the Braves or they could have got it from when they went out in Atlanta. Nevertheless, two Atlanta Braves players, the catchers, Tyler Flowers and um, the, the backup for him, um, they got COVID 
and they did not travel with Atlanta to the Mets game. And the Mets game was the first game in the series. Miami went from Atlanta and went to uh, Philly, right? On Friday, they got tested, and then they got the results, I want to say, Saturday after their afternoon game against the Phillies. So they played two games with with three guys who were, who were essentially positive for COVID. The report comes out, three guys are positive. They sit the three guys. They decide to forego common sense and still play the game on Sunday after they had the three people um, test positive. Then their rationale was, well, we had the team tested again. We're going to wait for the results. But you played a game in between that. So it went from three to 16 and, and two coaches because they did that. And and apparently they were – And a couple was, of players on the other team, correct, too? Uh, I, think I, I haven't heard any. I haven't heard anything about the Phillies players. See, I thought I saw two tested positive. I'll have to go back and look, but I mean, that's just so stupid to me. And I and I really think that uh, somebody higher up has to be like, yo, I I don't want to say Joe Torre, but somebody higher up has to be like, yo, that is really stupid, really careless. If they if they could have canceled that game on um sunday and and self-isolated who knows how many how less of a infection it would have been i mean 16 people there i think they only brought 30 people that's that's over half your roster (laughs) and that's in two days so um i'm not shocked that baseball basically put them in timeout for a whole week (laughs) it was like you don't even get you don't get your home opener you know you're going to bed without dinner yeah, I'm pretty sure they're, they're pissed. It's bad press. You got guys like David Price who opted not to play for concerns of this nature. I now told you so, being, yeah. Yeah, being validated and, and blasting them on Twitter. It's, it's affecting the NFL players who, who are seeing it. And yeah, now it's a lot of them are that, out. All the uh, yeah. guys backing out. Holy cow. And, and I know people are saying, well, you can't bubble baseball. I disagree. I, I do too. I think that if you look at the way the cactus leagues, the grapefruit leagues and things are run during spring training, that's essentially a bubble. I mean, they, exactly they put what a certain is. amount of teams in a certain area. They play in a certain field and they, they construct it to where they they play against each other. Now, I don't know how you do that for everybody, but or how it works. Maybe maybe they bubble for a month on in one location and then they travel to another location. They, they quarantine for a week. And then they they bubble again, you know, like to switch right. the games up, the maybe teams. something of that, yeah, something of that nature. But to tell, don't tell me it's not possible. It's possible. Football, yeah, it might be a little bit more difficult, but even then, you you really could make it work if you had to make it work. And they and, have the resources to make yeah, it work. Yeah, and and what I was saying before um, on the last podcast too, for people who are like wondering where all this is coming from, the MLB plan. Um, tried to copy Bundesliga, which is the German soccer league. But the whole reason why that worked is because they had they had uh, flattened the curve on on the coronavirus. So they had a a bubble free league. Uh, they spaced out the games to where teams only played twice a week, which is very important. And then um, that allowed for people who were potentially positive to be caught before they got into their next game. Um, and then the other thing that they did was um, essentially they, they put out a, a full plan for not only the players, but their families and friends, too, to, to understand, like, you know, the, the social distancing guidelines that they should take care of and, and should be doing. And they didn't leave it up to individual teams. They just the league itself took took initiative and set like a standard across the league. And they had some positive tests, but it was controlled. You can't catch. It wasn't half a team in the yeah. first week. <laughs> yeah. So like like that scenario I just gave you, if you're going to play 60 games in 66 days, you don't have any rest days. There's no test that's coming back within minutes that I know of. I think the testing that they're you using is. You blood it, work. Okay. You yeah. You can't get it in a few hours, basically. Yeah. And the testing that MLB is using takes almost a day or two. By the time you get the results, you've already played a series. That's ridiculous. So if anybody the purpose of the test, yeah, if anybody is is asymptomatic, <laughs> it defeats the purpose. And I'm, I'm like, they're using Rutgers testing facility to make it close. 
in the uh, in the write up that I saw, they said they were only using one testing facility, and that was in Salt Lake City. So now they're having to scramble to find emergency testing, and uh, they're supposed to have somebody on every team that's responsible just for contact tracing. Whoever is with the Marlins needs to be fired. Because they didn't do their job. <laughs> oh, you're all. saying that was already set up before this? Yeah, there, there oh, was supposed wow. to be there's supposed to be one person who's designated to to um, do contact tracing for every single team in the league, and that person reports to another person who is independent from the league uh, to to I guess make the call on whether or not something needs to be shut down. So. Again, for this to happen, there was somebody messed up somewhere. And I don't want people to get the impression like COVID's here. There's nothing we can do about it. If you're going to play, you're always going to take that risk. Like when I go to work, I take that risk every time I go to work, every time I have somebody in my office, every time I go to the grocery store. Like I get it. There's there's risk involved in every everything we do now. Say this is gambling. We should know that your odds can increase or decrease by the decisions you make. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That's the (laughs) that's the whole the whole point is is that if you're not doing everything you're supposed to be doing, then yeah, you probably are gonna (laughs) catch it and and at a higher rate. And that's the issue with baseball right now. But no, I don't think they're gonna they're not gonna stop it. Um, I think they've made that pretty clear. Uh, and and if they if they have to play with just twenty damn teams, then the the other ten teams that got infected will just sit out. <laughs> I mean, I honestly really think that that's what essentially they're gonna do. Like, you get COVID, the show goes on. We'll figure yep. a way out, basically. Yep. That's that's your issue. And and don't 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 be the team that's only got forty five games, bro. <laughs> that's you out of luck, man. Yeah, you're 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 missing the opportunity on some big wins or helping your win percentage or yeah. The only two things I want to add before we move on, like, first of all, when you said that they had flattened the curve, I think there was like 22 states as of last week that are having way more cases than Germany did as a country at any point. So, like, I mean, he's talking about like they were down to like maybe a thousand cases a day countrywide. So that's Mm -hmm. that's a big difference in here. And the other thing I want to say is that, like, I have to give Major League Baseball a little credit if they had a plan in place for contract or contact tracing because – the reason it hasn't worked is it's so widespread everywhere. But if these guys and you're just tracking these people and it's that small of amount where it's 30, you know, with the coaches and stuff, 45 teams should be able to do that pretty easily. You just have to tell everybody where you're going and who you come in contact with. And it's like what you said for them to have given up, you know, already have 16 cases in like a week. Like that person was not doing their job for sure. Yeah, it's just. Like it, it's bad, man. It's it's bad in the sense that um, this was like the the most ultimate failure. <laughs> and you have all the eyes on you right now because NBA hasn't started, the NFL's down the line. You know, yeah, you got golf week to week, but this is kind of baseball's time, and it doesn't help to have negative stories right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. So that, it was definitely bad press. All right, let's move on to golf, which, again, we don't run and hide. Like, so I will go ahead and tell you my picks last week were trash. Like, it was probably the worst set of picks I've had since we started doing not only this podcast, but when we were giving gambling picks on the uh, Two Off the Tee podcast with Scott. But, I mean, I'm not going to run and hide from it. We've had good weeks uh, but we're also going to tell you when we had bad, and we've had a we had a bad week last week. We had a, a pretty bad week the week before, but it wasn't as bad as this one. I didn't have any picks that were in even a sniff of contention on Sunday, unless you want to argue Matthew Wolf when he was like three shots down. But uh, we will do uh, better moving forward. We're going to preview the WGC. I also want to say I really like what you said about the reason you're having success in baseball because I kind of feel like I've gotten away from that in golf where. Because, you know, I play the game and I've worked in the business for forever, I kind of just know golf, you know, because I watch enough and I see enough and I just I kind of know venues, players, etc. And I've gotten a little, I think, too obsessed with some of the numbers and, you know, their past results and those kind of things and not just going with my gut uh, in some situations. And I'm not saying you shouldn't mix them, which is what I tried to do this week. But you would suggest, right, that like if somebody like me that has a lot of knowledge about a sport 
if I just have a gut feeling on a guy at a track or, you know, a field where I know, say, like this week, the scores are going to be a little lower, like probably the wind's going to be 10 to 15 under instead of that 20 under, I should go with my gut on at least one or two picks, right? Yeah. Um, if you know the sport, it's okay to mix uh, fan. I would say, I, I guess I don't really have a, a word for it, but it, um, I made a joke in the in the gambling group about um, people were overthinking the Yankees and, and uh, Nationals game, and there are so many people saying like cliche things that you hear gamblers say, like oh everybody's on the Yankees, Vegas knows better, take the Nationals, and I'm thinking to myself, literally thinking to myself as a baseball fan, as a baseball fan, not as a gambler, as a baseball fan, there is absolutely no way. Garrett Cole goes in and drops an egg on his first game against his lineup that doesn't have Juan Soto. Like this is this ain't the the Rendon um like baby shark nationals. These dudes don't really have an identity. And they they lost Juan Soto. So I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, am I am I looking at this wrong? And so I essentially told everybody on the thread that they were crazy and that they were just trying to be wise guys. And and that's how you get burned sometimes in sports that you know. And um, I added in what I consider to be a fan base logic that, hey, Max Scherzer is a fastball hard thrower. His even his off speed stuff is is hard. Like, it's, it's just how it is. He's just a power pitcher. The Yankees are probably the best power pitching lineup in baseball. So I was like, even if I don't get anything from Aaron Judge and I got the screenshot to prove it, I said, if I don't get anything from Aaron Judge, I guarantee you I get something from uh, John Carlo because he likes the stadium. He knows the team. He knows the pitcher. I was like, he's going to crush. And I think he had a home run his first at bat. So um, and it worked out. They they had no trouble winning that game. So in re- regards to golf, like for sure, man, like, you know, enough about golf um, being that you've been around the sport, you work in it. Like, there's no reason for you to overthink it too much. And and I do understand it is easy when you know too much, which does happen sometimes to gamblers. So you just have to go back to your basics and, and just tell yourself, like, hey, this is who I liked from the start. I'm not changing it. I'm not changing it. I, I agree. So the, this is the final WGC event of this season. It starts in Memphis. Uh, it's the 2020 WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational it's going to be a, a really star-studded field. It's at TPC Southwind. There's an eight-figure purse, so these guys are playing for a bunch of money. Uh, Rory McIlroy, who recently lost his, you know, world number one ranking to John Rahm, I'm assuming he's going to come out, you know, blazing, all saddles ready to go, especially considering he did not finish in the top ten last time. If you look at his record in the last two years when he finishes out the top ten, he usually comes right back with a good finish. Uh, Rom is actually the 11 to 1 favorite coming off his win last week. McElroy and Justin Thomas are both at 12 to 1, along with DeChambeau. The top eight in the world are, are, are all here for this event. You got Cantley, Webb Simpson, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka. Uh, Cantley's at 20 to 1, Webb Simpson's 22 to 1, Dustin Johnson is 33 to 1, and uh, so is Kepka. It is also interesting to note that, or just something we need to not forget, that these guys do have the first major championship of the season next week, the PGA Championship at Harding Park. It is a no-cut event, but I will just warn people that there is a chance that if a player is either, you know, especially one of these big guys, not playing well, doesn't get off to a good start, whatever, I wouldn't be surprised to see a potential withdrawal. And I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see where some of these guys, especially in these events, they just kind of play it through and don't really look like they give a shit. Uh, And you will see them finish near the bottom uh, of this no-cut event. So those those guys in the top ten that we just went over, you got Rom, McElroy, Thomas, DeChambeau, Cantley, Simpson, Dustin Johnson, and Kepka. Is there any of them that stand out to you? I know the highest odds are the 33 to one on Dustin and Kepka, and only two guys in the 20 with Webb Simpson and Patrick Cantley. But do any of those guys at those odds interest you this week? Dustin Johnson still in this? Can you believe it? I thought 33. Um, can I just say, man, I'm not trying to talk down on the man because he did have he he's been playing great golf. But why is Bryson DeChambeau up here with Rory and Justin Thomas, man? 
Like he hasn't won that many events. Like like he's the third. No, he's uh yeah, he's tied for second basically. But he's he's is John Rom, is Rory, there's Bryson, and there's Justin Thomas. Why is he in this this range? I don't understand. And Attention and popularity. Man, he needs to be he needs to be down. Terrell Hatton has just as many wins as him this year. And, and in, a, in a bigger event, if you ask me. Well, that's what I was going to argue. This is one of the tougher events. It's, I mean, it's a, actually technically a deeper field than a major because everybody in it is basically in the top. I think it's 60 or 70 in the world. Uh, so he hasn't won a big event. That That's my point. No, he does he have six wins. It's very impressive. But it's he, been no really big events. Yeah, he has not shown that he can he can beat any of these top players. The best fields. Yeah. So um, with that being said, I just wanted to get that out of here. I'm not really hating on him. I'm just I don't understand Correct. it. Correct. The odds um, don't match. So obviously I'm not going to be picking Bryce. <laughs> but you know what? Or DJ. Heck nah, man. <laughs> he he got his one win. Heck nah, especially coming off that injury. I mean, we can see lightning strike twice, but I'm not taking that risk at 25 to one. Look, man. Um. I, I don't think I've ever said this on air, but I'm not getting burned by this guy no more. Give me Webb Simpson, man, on Bermuda. I'm not messing with it. He, he somehow always, like this year for sure, has been his year as far as being consistent and just putting up some scores. I don't want to not pick him and then look like a fool, but he's he's the one that stands out to me right now at the 22-1 to odds I'm looking at on my bookie out of this first little group. I mean, Xander obviously is my guy, but he just has not played really good He has a great lately. track record as well yeah. in no cut events. Yeah, and, and that's and that's probably that's probably one of the reasons why the odds are looking like this. I keep forgetting there's no cut. Um, So for no cut events, I don't typically play um, props. But I'll take a look and see if I can get some long shot top twenties because uh, I think the one event we did that was no cut, we had uh, we had somebody pop it like seven to one or something like that because he he just had a good final round. But um, I like I like Webb Simpson out this group. Um, Cantley's pretty solid. Uh, Justin Thomas would be if I had to pick out of the top four of Rom. Uh, McElroy, DeChambeau, and Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas would be the one that interests me the most this week. Um, I think there's a report that he's got bones as his caddy. Um, I don't know if that's an advantage or not, but people are some people are like chirping that um, they have good chemistry. It cannot hurt. Yeah, bones and, is a great uh, caddy. <laughs> yeah, but but Rom Rom is really playing some top tier golf, man. The only problem. When you bet John Rom, trust me, I bet John Rom a lot since he's been a pro. Uh, if he has one bad round, or or just if there's one thing that bothers him, it will take at least four or five holes for him to get over it. If he doesn't bounce back immediately. Well, so I'm also bumps, say at eleven to one, like he hasn't won enough, in my opinion, to be yeah. at those odds. Like I understand McElroy and JT, they've won enough to to earn those kind of odds, but. And I think Rom, I've said it before, I think he's the like young player on tour right now has the potential to be the best of all of them. I truly believe that. But, I mean, again, how many wins does he have? Five, six on the PGA Tour as well? Rom, I mean, is, Rom is getting the boost because the course that he won on was probably the hardest course in life. <laughs> so that's probably why he's getting the boost right now. And it's but he played really well. And again, we've talked about this over and over again. It's hard to win back to back. I mean, I, I understand why he's there. It's just I don't really like any of those guys until I can understand taking Simpson at twenty two to one. He was actually one of the guys that uh, I considered picking. And uh, is there any other guys you want to talk? Because what I could do is just go through the picks I have. You tell me what you think, and then if you want to add any more, we can do it that way. Or if you have any guys you know right off the top of the head, go ahead and we can talk about them. Um, guys that I would consider, um, as well, I mean, call me crazy, but Abraham answer. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I got him. He's one of my like, picks. Yeah. He's, That's my gut pick this week. Dude. Yeah. He's a guy, Gary Woodland with his ball striking, uh, is up there. I mean, he's, he's been playing some decent golf and, and again, he's at a price at 45 to one where I'm not afraid to pick him, um, because I, I know he can, he can pull it off. Um, I will definitely be looking at a Strillman prop because he has been playing some decent golf and he's at 80 to one right now. So I'll probably be, and it's a no cut event. I'll probably be looking at him on a prop. 
I am super shocked to see Sung Jae is at 90 to 1, but I understand. And then as you get further down, I, I mean, don't. That's too I, high, right? I mean, it is, but he hasn't he hasn't played good golf uh, this year, man, uh, since the return. I haven't seen it. I mean, I had him for a prop one one tournament, and he he was like plus eight. <laughs> it was really bad. It's not the Song Jae Song Jae that we're used to seeing. I I don't know if maybe he was maybe he's working on a on his swing or something like that because you do see that sometimes from guys. I hope he's not because it's like, dude, you were playing pretty freaking yeah. good for your first season. Yeah, but um, yeah, those couple of names that I I, I put out there kind of stand out. Corey Connors is a, is a stat freak, man. But mm-hmm. it just doesn't translate. But at 110 to one, again, guys that I looked you're, at him for a top 20 potential. Yeah, that's what I say. Guys that you're looking at with with the potential to to crack a top 20 in a no cut event, like he would be one of them. Um, because he usually comes on strong. And in, in the Paul Casey, another one, a consistent <laughs> golfer who probably could crack the top 20. And if he, if it's, he's 100 to one outright now, he's got to be at least three to one on a top 20. You know. So um, there's definitely going to be a um, potential for, or there'll be potential for um, for some profit if you pay attention. Well, uh, I'm going to go over my picks again. Feel free to discuss if you don't like or do like any more than others. I did uh, five picks for winners. Uh, put twenty dollars on each of these. I have Brooks Kepka. At plus 3,000, he has three top threes at this venue. He obviously won last year. And, again, this is kind of a gut deal where he has shown in the past he can win back-to-back weeks. I know he's not playing great right now, but having got to watch him a couple of times because he was paired with Tiger, and then he was, like, in another feature group one day that I watched, he's not that far off. It's been one thing that has been missing, and I always – uh, like Brooks Kepka at 30 to one in an event that's not going to be a real low scoring affair because I feel like Kepka is at his best kind of in that medium difficulty when you got like sort of those eight to 15 underscores. Uh, I got Matt Fitzpatrick at plus 3500. He finished fourth in his only start here uh, last year. He's got a great track record at the WGCs overall and he's played well since the restart. I like Billy Horschel at plus 4,500. He's got five top tens in his last six starts at this event. Uh, And he's actually had in his last two starts on tour a 13th and a 7th. So he's playing well coming into this and played well at the venue. Abraham Hanser at plus 5,500, which he doesn't have a track record here. He's got one miscut and an 18th. But he's got three top 15s in his last four starts on tour. Everybody remembers he didn't play well his last time out. But he's playing really well before that. And he is also somebody in his last two WGC events. I think he finished 11th and finished third. So he's been getting better in these tougher events each week. And then the last guy I got for a winner is Ian Poulter at plus 8,000. He's got two top tens in his last three starts here. He's got two top tens in his last three starts on tour. And he is one of those guys, if he gets the putter going, particularly on Bermuda Greens, he will make everything. Again, Poulter is better in that kind of medium scoring. Uh, and then I just got two top tens and three top 20s. I have Billy Horschel at plus 400, a top 10. I don't have to go over that. I just said, well, I like Billy there. And then Rafa Cabrera-Bella at plus 1,100, a top 10. He's got a 12th and a 4th in his only two starts here at this event. He has played well in recent weeks or, or since the restart and honestly this entire season. And then for the top 20s, I got Phil Mickelson at plus 350. I know that seems crazy, but he's got six top 15s at this event. It's one of the better WGC fields, even though they changed it from a regular event to a WGC that he's played well at consistently. He's got four top 10s here. And he needs to play well to make the FedEx. Phil cares about that. His weeks are running out. So he needs a good finish, hopefully a top 20 at plus 350. And then also have Chaz Reby at plus 350. His last five starts here, he's gone 27th, 6th, 4th, 12th, and 27th. His last two starts on tour were a 22nd and a 17th. And he's just one of those guys that, again, at these kite fields where the scoring is not crazy low, he seems to just hang around on a top 20. is not that tough to get. Um, there was who who'd you talk about before Phil? Uh, before Phil was Cabrera Bella and okay. Billy Horschel. Okay, yeah, Horschel's got really good uh numbers on uh Ben Grass. Um, 
I'm I'm all for that. Um, there was one person I was looking at that kind of stood out, and I was like, dang, why didn't I say anything about that? Uh it left me when you were you because you said horse. Oh, Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger's been yeah, playing. Yeah, he's won here twice. Golf. Yeah, he's been playing some good golf. I mean, he's not one to win more than once on on tour, but hey, he's and been he playing. He was good gonna at, win more than once on tour. Yeah, this event yeah. he's won twice before. So yeah, yeah. So makes, say, he's been, he's been playing some some pretty good golf. I don't want to overlook him. And then you know we got uh, the one guy in your in your group um, that usually hits you up for um, for DFS advice. I mean, Burger's Burger's probably one of the guys you want to definitely not fade this week. Uh, I would say Burger is one of them. Um, Horschel is another one. And, I mean, it could be that people are probably already on them, but Burger, Horschel, answer uh, if you're looking for some consistency in in your golfers. And with it being a no-cut event, I feel like you stand a better chance in DFS when there's no-cut events. So um, shoot your shot, man. I really like Rory McIlroy this week too, both for DraftKings and potentially to win the tournament. I just uh, at twelve to one, and I can get you know forty and fifty to odds on guys like you know Matthew Fitzpatrick, Billy Horsher, Answer. I mean, I'm getting eighty to one on Paul. I'm getting thirty to one on Kepka. I just don't like McIlroy at twelve to one odds, but I do expect him to play really well this week. Yeah, I expect Rory to come out and play well too. Um, I mean, he's due. And and the the information you gave out about how he bounces back from uh from bad events is true. Um, hasn't bounced back and won anything this year yet. I don't think, at least not since the restart. But he he's definitely the best golfer in the world still. I mean, he might not be number one ranked, but skill wise, man, like I don't think anybody would argue that he's not you know the best of the field. So twelve to one is still a gift, man. This guy's usually a Seven to one, eight to one. You you're still getting some value on Rory. If you if you want to take a favorite and uh, take your shot, he would probably be the one that you would feel safest with. All right, so let's talk some uh, basketball before we get out of here. Because the NBA now we got this confused with the baseball. Does it start tomorrow? NBA should start tomorrow with um you the, the jazz. Yeah, the jazz and um. And uh, Pelicans. And then let me double check who the other team is. I ain't gonna lie, man. I had to. I had to get back in the swing of things, keeping up with all these games. <laughs> it's. It is. It is quite a shock to the system because I, for oh, so right. long I'm we really haven't sorry. had any. Go ahead. Clippers. Clippers. Lakers is the, is the nine o'clock game. <laughs> I knew that. That's somebody probably we were supposed to do a podcast this week, but there's really no NBA news, you know, because they've been doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I was like, the only thing we would have had to talk about was um was uh, Lou Williams and Perkins. I was like, so we'll just wait until they, you know, get through this weekend, and then we'll we'll run a show on uh, Tuesday. So if you guys want some inside information on uh, the NBA, just check out our uh, NBA podcast, which will probably come out on Tuesday. All right. There's my my little bit. But go ahead. So I've heard this on a couple in a couple of places this week. You can get the Trailblazers right now at I believe it's five to one to make the playoffs. They're like fifty to one to make the finals, and they are getting healthy. They got some big guys coming back. You know they have the rule this year where I think they only have to uh, finish right within four games of the team in eighth place to get into a playing game. That granted they have to win twice. But is it just four games to qualify for that playing game? I think so. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the rules. I'm almost well, positive it is. But, I mean, do you think – because they're a team that, in my opinion, would be fit for – or kind of – they should benefit from this format anyway. They're a younger team. They're a team that can score. They're getting healthy at the right moment. I mean, at five to one just to make the playoffs, because I think if they get in the playoff, a playing game against, like, say, the Grizzlies, even having to beat them twice, I would still take the Blazers over the Grizzlies in that situation. Man, listen, when we're talking basketball, you're talking neutral sites and you're talking about not knowing how things are really going to play out. I would treat it like college basketball and the default in college basketball is guard play. So. You maybe not want to say guards because you got LeBrons and Kawhi Leonard's, but say backcourt play, basically. And and honestly, the Blazers have 
CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard. If they're if they if they gotta play the Grizzlies, man, to get in, or if it comes down to a situation where the, that's the playing game, I love Ja, but he's not ready for that, man. <laughs> like when Dame's dialed in, like Dame's yeah. one of the best players in the league, and, and him and CJ can go for thirty plus a, a night uh, together uh, or a piece. And the Grizzlies just don't have they they're young they don't they don't have that kind of firepower. Um, Blazers to make the playoffs, I would be very interested in that. To get to the finals, hell nah. <laughs> well, I'm no. talking about if it's a small, you know, if you're gonna play the five to one, you know, throw five ten dollars. Because again, it was what I brought up to you the last time the NBA had a you know shortened season where it was kind of a sprint was the 99 and the Knicks as the eight seed actually made the finals. I heard on Simmons podcast the other day that he really believes that Miami heat team that was a one seed in normal circumstances would have made it all the way to the finals. They were an older team, you know, it, it just didn't set up well for them. And I agree with you. It's a very long shot, but I mean, again, I, I think there is going to be something weird either on the East or West with this type of season where you're going to see a long shot get in. And I really do think that like Damian Lillard is one of the top like seven, eight guys in the league. And with them getting that help back from the bigs, they're just, they're a dangerous team. I can guarantee the Lakers do not want to see them in the first round. I forgot about uh, Melo. Nah, man, look, I know it's weird, but knowing what I know about how much this means to LeBron and the whole fact that they basically playing because LeBron needs this ring. Right. Nah. No, <laughs> I mean, I if, you think, you're right. <laughs> if, if people think that LeBron James isn't making the final call on this season, having to restart as a, as a player, not as an owner, but as like the the player that gets all the other players like to to sign up type stuff. Like when they were talking about reports of 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 certain select veteran players not liking what Kyrie was saying, it was right. basically Le- LeBron and his crew, man, like. Let's not get it twisted. This Lakers team wants to win for LeBron. They want to. They want to win for Kobe too, um, which which matters as well. Forgotten about that storyline. Yeah. It's been so uh, long. The Clippers also want it as well. Um, and and this is the type of time with, with, where they're going to play hard. Uh, I'm not saying it's, it's not a two man race. Can I ask you then? Are race. we sleeping on the Bucks? Because I saw a video the other day of Giannis just working on threes. They're, you know, a younger starting lineup. You would have to think Giannis is going to thrive in this environment because he's arguably the best athlete, you know, in the game. I don't see Giannis getting tired. He's been playing like 28 minutes a game. Are we sleeping on them? Nobody mentions them. They they talk about the Lakers and the Clippers. I don't think we're sleeping on them per se. Um, I I know um, (laughs) Corey has a good theory that I I, want to – I really want to see if it's it's legit, but – his theory is is that there's no fans. It's basically an open gym. A lot of these guys that we see, like Ben Simmons, are probably going to be more comfortable shooting oh, wow. than, than what they would be, you know, in in, a, in an arena with the packed crowd. And honestly, the weird thing about it is is that he's got legitimate evidence. As we've been watching scrimmages and things like that, like the kids draining threes, and it's kind of funny to me. I mean, ball uh, ball went out and dominated a game, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm like. Like we're we're kind of in this no man's land where we're like, are we getting Drew League? Are we getting playoff like atmosphere? Like, what are we gonna get? Who are some other players that you think will thrive in that environment? Uh, James Harden. Westbrook <laughs> James, too. Do you think? Oh, Westbrook don't care. He a baller, man. He gonna he gonna play nonstop, hundred miles an hour, no matter where he's at. James Harden is is he's a little fragile mentally. What about a guy like Luca? With who? Luca. Luca. Luca's gonna thrive, but I'm I'm telling you what's gonna happen with Luca when it comes time for playoffs, man. We're gonna we're gonna really see because Luca's a little pampered. He's had it kind of easy as as uh being crowned like you know a superstar. Like you got guys in our sports group putting him in the top ten in the NBA right now, oh, stuff like that. And I, and I'm sure he hears it a lot, and he's probably got a big head, and he is a, a great and talent. He's great, yeah, yeah, no, he's a great talent. But. <laughs> Bro, when when the playoffs come and, and these dudes lock you up, or or you you got Pat Beverly in your hip pocket for for forty five minutes, it's it's a different vibe, man. It's it's really a different vibe. So one more I need guy, to see, Zion I Williamson, wouldn't he thrive in this? Don't you Zion think? Ain't gonna, 
Zion gonna thrive regardless, bro. He he a ball. But I'm saying, don't you think this would help him even more? Because again, I think the games are gonna be a little rougher. Uh, well, or, I don't think. I mean, when, if like looking at what Zion was doing when people were in the arena, I don't see where why. I mean, in my mind, it doesn't matter. Like right. he's, a he's already he's, playing he's gonna, out of his mind. Yeah, his plus mind is, is is through the roof when he's on the on the uh, floor. Um, he's he's definitely got youthful energy, and um, and we know about his his skill set as far as his power and quickness and, and athleticism. And I think the NBA really wants to push him as the next big thing um, to to basically not push LeBron out, but LeBron's getting older. He ain't gonna be LeBron in in five six years, so you're gonna need another face of the NBA. And Zion's gotten comparisons to the athleticism of LeBron, so. I think it would just be the most logical step that they would try to get him uh, showcased in, in this particular uh, setup. And I saw some some reports that they might they might be bubbling longer. They might be bubbling like as at the start of next year's season. So um, I had to double check on that. But I, I don't I don't think this is the last we're going to see of this format. I really think people are, are going to be more comfortable with it. So. The Eastern Conference, you would agree, is probably more open than the West. You think basically the two L.A. teams are going to probably be one of the ones, uh, the teams to win the West, unless the, the Trailblazers do, like I predicted, right? No, the two L.A. teams, <laughs> and, and you can't, you really, you really can't count the Rockies out just okay. yet, just yet. Harden and Westbrook really are nice. Um, Eric Gordon is out for two weeks, I think, is what I saw. That that will probably hurt them a little. And they do have a small ball type rotation. Do you like right? them enough at eight to one to make the finals? The Rockets? Yes. No, man. I can't okay. let Maurice hear me say that. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> okay. nah. If 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 there was a team that I would be betting on to You got the to, Raptors, Celtics, and Sixers at plus seven hundred, plus eight hundred, plus eight hundred. Are any of those juicy? Raptors maybe, Raptors maybe, but they, they, neither of those teams match up well with with the teams that I think they'll be facing before they get to the Bucks. Basically, like if the if the Celtics get to 76ers, man, yeah, they're in not, it's, Yeah, it's not a good matchup for them, man. I don't, Especially I don't, in that environment, right? Yeah, no Boston Garden. <laughs> yeah, historically speaking, I think they struggle against them. Um, the same with the uh, Raptors. If the Raptors draw the 76 the 76ers. Um, and Corey and I kind of touched on this on the in the NBA podcast. The 76ers are the biggest wild card and the Miami Heat. The, the Heat and the 76ers are the biggest wild cards um, in that in that eastern side. And they're the four and six seeds right now. You got to think that the Celtics and Raptors, Raptors are going to have to play them at some point. Now, the Bucks, the Bucks can handle both teams, uh, but the Celtics and Raptors don't match up well against them. And and I really think that's gonna come up at some point in in the playoffs. So the over under totals, I've seen quite a few teams. I believe it's at five or six. Do you think that there's gonna be a lot of teams going seven and three, eight and two? Because I kind of find it hard to believe that outside of maybe a few of the best teams in the league, there's gonna be a lot of teams winning more than like four or five games. It all depends, man. If you want to, you want to talk about a petty league. The NBA is very petty. These dudes will will throw a game in a heartbeat to get the matchup that they think works best for their team. So, so you think it's gonna be like chess down the stretch, yeah. especially? Oh, one hundred percent for sure, man. Ain't nobody trying to see LeBron in the first round. Ain't nobody trying to see like the two teams I named: the Raptors and the Seventy uh, I mean, uh, Sixers and Heat. Don't nobody want to play them first round. So yeah, they'll they'll be teams probably out there looking at scoreboards and standings like eh, we're gonna do load management today. All right, fellas. <laughs> so, so to anybody uh, doing early head to head like betting where they just you know matchups. Is there anything you would advise from them that you've learned from either baseball or some of the soccer you've done? Because, again, there's a lot of kind of unknowns going into this first week of NBA games. Um, look at the motivation for the team, man. So the, the Pelicans and the Jazz. The Jazz, they're here. They want to play. The Pelicans really want to make a statement, really want to make a statement. And they got a lot of youthful energy and 
I I expect like like I said with the idea of the NBA pushing that narrative, I really expect them to come out and be be fired up. Excuse me, I would be weary to to, to take the Jazz. Um, and then one thing you have to understand too is that these are neutral site games. Default on a neutral site game, like I said, is typically the backcourt play, um, and then also um, superstars. You know, you got your who who's got the better superstar? Who's got the 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 guy who could put the team on their back when when they need a run, and and the Pelicans have options, man. And they Drew Holiday is a solid solid point guard. Um, I don't even know if Conley is is even a part of the Jazz um, like playing. He's gonna have that. to play well for them to make any noise, right? Like, well, I like thought two three I, years ago, good before the before the season, and I'm pretty sure they were trying to phase him out. It was just kind of weird. It was a weird situation, but. I feel more comfortable with the Pelicans and their chemistry and their youth um, wanting to come out and make a statement on this first game. And then when you look at the Clippers-Lakers, I mean, how bad do the Clippers really want it? And unfortunately... Well, they're shorthanded too, right? Yeah, that's what I say. Unfortunately, these idiots (laughs) or idiot went out and got got in trouble, um, and so they can't play. So I don't think they got... dumbass his buddy was. Well, I mean... The, the, biggest reason, the biggest reason why I was um, hype on the Clippers is because when they match up, they've got a lot of advantages. They got a guy who historically has given LeBron fits on defense, which is Kawhi Leonard. They got a couple guys who can can help on defense and give him fits as well in Beverly and Harrell. And then they've got a coach who is who. If any coach in this league knows LeBron James or knows how to stop LeBron James or has a LeBron James blueprint. It's got to be Doc Rivers. I mean, the guy's been seeing him for years, years, you know, uh, especially when he was in Boston in the early days. Like, he he has to know LeBron James. And so you put all that together, and you essentially have an anti-LeBron James team. And the X factor in that Lakers-Clippers game will always be Anthony Davis and his health. Um, one of the things that I thought was going to play a big role is that the Clippers bench was deeper, but... I mean, they've got so many, like, things going on right now. I don't know if that really is going to show up in this game. But, um, yeah, early on, I would just take whoever you think is the best superstar along with the best backcourt. I don't know if we're going to get a lot of defense. I don't know how refs are going to call the game. Yeah, you have to adjust on the fly. Yeah, the refs are are human, too. If there's no hecklers and there's no, no, like, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe coaches won't be as vocal because now they don't have anybody to hide all their. their they're gonna sound like jackasses yeah. if they're screaming at the coach. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's hard to say. It's hard to say, and there there'll be a lot of communication on the court. Hopefully, uh, is, is I think somebody described it as basketball in its purest form. I mean, what's to say like you know guys can hear better and 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 people are communicating louder and things like that. You might get more attention on defense, or you might get. Guys moving around a little bit more is is I would take it. It's going to be like an AAU tournament, you know. You yeah. remember? I'm sure you've been to one of the, you know, where it's like eventually the best dude in the tournament's team is probably going to win. Yeah, yeah, and that best dude is arguably LeBron or Giannis right now. Why deserves right in the playoffs yeah, and stuff to be in that discussion yeah. too. All right, one more question, then we'll get out of here. Because. The Lakers, they've lost Bradley and Rondo, which I understand LeBron plays a, a lot of, you know, technically guard, but does that concern you for their chance to win it all? Because that's two good defenders. It's two guys with experience, and they're kind of, you know, they don't have a lot of depth right now at guard play, and it was already not a strength for them. Yeah, it, it's concerning. It's concerning. Um, how much does LeBron have in him to, to run – Point God. <laughs> that's what I call him. Point. I mean, that's essentially what he's got to be. He, I mean, he was bringing the ball up the court anyway, which, I mean, bringing the ball up the court is, is cool. But, like, Rondo's smart, man. He directs, you know. Even, and playoff even Rondo he, is a real thing, even yeah, over the last few he, seasons. Even when he doesn't have the ball, if anything, he's he's good to, to give you at least a, a 10, 15-minute break sporadically, like, you know, spaced out throughout the game, like, Having somebody like that on the floor and, and 
basically coaching these guys up and telling them where to go. Like he's a facilitator, so he's you're always, you're always, yeah, you're always gonna miss somebody like that. Avery Bradley is is your utility guy, your grinder, the guy that you you can depend on to do whatever the team needs to do to win. You don't want him to shoot, but if he's got to score 20, he'll he'll give it his best effort. If he's got to play defense on the best scorer, he'll give it his best effort. And uh, you 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 miss an energy guy like that on uh, on um, any side of the ball. And then essentially, like when you when you break it down, who's the Lakers' best player off the bench? I do think though that AD is gonna have a good you know he's if he stay, stays he's healthy, he's healthy. Gonna, yeah he does. But I think he's gonna have a really big rest of the season playoffs, and that's gonna end up being the difference. Is you know, he's definitely the best player LeBron's ever been with when, when he's healthy and going. And, I, I mean, Dwayne Wade was fantastic, but just, I mean, it's almost like if you were going to draw up a player to play with LeBron, AD would be, like, one of the first guys you would choose. AD's, like, the – the if it wasn't for Durant, AD would be the player that I would say would be the, the prototypical basketball player that you you're looking for. I mean, Durant's just got better range, but like as far as his size, his athleticism, the mismatches he creates, no matter where he's too tall, too big for for the guards who probably could cover him, and he's too athletic and got too and he good keeps handle. getting bigger too. He's yeah. so much more physical and bigger yeah. than he was, so, when, you know, his first few years. He's definitely a, a matchup nightmare, but he's gotta stay healthy. And maybe this will help because, you know, they haven't played as many games this year. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise. But that would be – honestly, that's his Achilles heel, no pun intended. Like, he's right. his health. Like, he's essentially a, the best player on the court, but he's just, just his And health. I'm a LeBron fan, but if he gets hurt and I have to hear from, you know, like the ridiculous LeBron fans, that, you know, he has the worst luck. Now AD's hurt. It's like – I mean, injuries happen. It's part of the game. It does suck, yeah. and I get it, but I, I hear that way too much when it's like that's that's the NBA. Yeah, I mean, if you if you thought going into a series with uh, Della Dova as your as your right hand man against like the Warriors was bad, imagine if you got to go in with what's that dude Caruso against Call the Clippers. <laughs> oh my God, against the Clippers. Oh my God, that would be awful. I don't wish that on nobody, man. Um, I want everybody to stay healthy because um, this this season had me excited because of the tandems that people built. So oh, I want tan, I want the tandems to play. It's a great season, man. Yeah, I want them to play, man. I want to see how it works. So I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody to get Rona. I don't want anybody to have any excuses as to why um, they couldn't win this year. So and it could be really competitive, like across the board, because like what you're talking about, it's basically an open gym. Yeah. It could be. So um, for uh, tomorrow's game or today's game, yeah, <laughs> dang, it is 12-17. Dang. Yeah. yeah, for today's game. So I said um, one more thing. Yeah, I like I like the Pelicans. <laughs> I like the Pelicans. And then, I mean, the Lakers are going to be hype, but, I mean, there's two teams that are going to be. They've got to beat the Clippers. They haven't beat them this year, man. They have to win that game. I know, but it's two teams that are going to be missing some some, uh, some key Dude, role they play. have to win that game, like, psychologically, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, so, I mean that's we're, why we're I, here. I like the Lakers. We're here for the Lakers. We're here for the Lakers. So, you damn right they got to win. <laughs> but, um. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not even ready to make a call on that 9 p.m. game. But I'm definitely on the Pelicans uh, early uh, for the 6:30 game. Then the nine o'clock game, you guys just have to message me or catch me in the group. I don't know. I'm gonna pick a team from LA. I know that. <laughs> Join the All Stars and you can ask them whatever he wants, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, we're, we apologize. This is gonna be posted really late. I'm gonna post my picks for golf uh, in both groups just because you know the tournament starts in like seven hours. Uh, and Alan, oh, I thought it your... started at uh, man. Is it unless late? I'm tripping. The uh, the TPC Southwind starts at twelve, is what I saw. Oh, that's right. WCC, you're probably right. Yeah, and then um, the other one started at ten. So that makes me feel better. But we're still yeah. gonna get this up. We'll post the picks. If you'll send yours to me, um, I'll be you know glad to share them. 
we are doing, just before we get out of here, the IB Sports in the group, the greatest wrestler of all time. We cruised <laughs> through the first round last week. Myself and Sam Howe did a podcast over the first round, previewing the second round matchups. The second round will conclude tomorrow for a wrestling nerd like myself. Man, I'm loving it. Who do you want winning that tournament? Um, Stone Cold. Okay, that's who I think the favorite is, but, but I, I actually just really interested to see how it that, goes. That's who I want to win, but it's not. It's, he shouldn't win. I ain't gonna say who I think should win, but I mean, everybody's. That's probably one of the most debatable things ever. Now, Ric Flair is the greatest wrestler. Of all yeah, time. I was gonna say. All right, thank you. <laughs> I'm not even a huge Ric Flair fan, but I mean, come on. He's Ric Flair. He's like a yeah. freaking legend, man. And yeah. he could actually wrestle in the ring. But anyway, all right. I know it's late. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, this has been another edition of the Backdoor Cover. You'll do the NBA show next week, correct? Yeah, NBA show uh, should be up uh, by Tuesday. Um, me and Corey are going to decide if we're going to do it Monday or Tuesday. Awesome, and we should get two more wrestling podcasts this week. We will do uh, a Team Turnbuckle edition with me and Ron Al. I think tomorrow night, just over the week of wrestling. And then me, Sam, and Ron Al are hopefully going to do one on Sunday night covering the results of the second round, previewing the third round of that, but... Alan, I really enjoyed it. I appreciate it, man. And thanks for doing this so late. All right, man. Good luck on your golf. Take care, buddy. Thanks, man. Bye.